Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hello and welcome to Cinema at Home, Netflix, episode one. I'm Ranji Nanra and we are so excited to bring you our new format of Cinema at Home as we focus on individual streaming services. I'm of course joined by Herbie Hilson. Herbie, how are you? I'm great, Ranji. I'm I'm simply swell, thank you for asking. <laughs> I'm very much looking forward to, discuss, to, to discussing what Netflix has to offer and to welcome our guests, Craig Fields and David Long. Craig, how are you? Yeah, I'm, I'm good. I'm really excited. This is uh, this is all new. This is all different, and uh, really looking forward to, to to seeing how it all pans out. Really, David, what about you, mate? Oh, I'm a very stressed individual at the moment, but I am delighted to be with my good friends on Cinema at Home, and also very excited for this new look Cinema at Home, as we do in fact focus on individual streaming services. So, very very excited and looking forward to some good banter as always. Great, so let's see what Netflix has to offer. So, our new Netflix original is The Five Bloods, directed by Spike Lee. This film follows four Vietnam War War veterans who decide to go back to Vietnam to find the body of their fifth member of the squadron and the gold he helped them hide. Um... So I'll start off the review um, and I'll just say that I thought this film was absolutely sensational. Um, it is, it has brilliant performances all around, especially I want to uh, mention Delroy Lindo, who plays Paul. Um, he, he absolutely, absolutely sort of uh, conveys, you know, experiences of PTSD and the effects of war and stuff like that. And it, it really, he really does manage to pull off an incredible performance um, you really get the, the feeling that the Vietnam War has never left him and the rest of his squadron. Um, it has been such a such an impact in their lives, um, and I imagine you know this, this is how it felt for a lot of people coming back from that war um, to this day. Um, and uh, it's, it's it's a brilliant film. It, it acts as sort of like a documentary as well as a you know a film driven by narrative. It does it does both really well, I think. Um, it, it, um, it has a lot of different themes that I'd sort of picked up on throughout the film. I think it sort of delves into greed, um, loyalty, and friendship as well. And it does them all; it handles them all really well. Um, and it just it, it represents an experience um, of black people, black soldiers in the Vietnam War, which is a, which is an experience we hardly ever see. Um, and I think it was really it is. You know, obviously, things going on in the world right now. This is actually such an important film to watch right now. I believe um, it is. Yeah, honestly, this film is absolutely <laughs> sensational. Yeah, Craig, what did you think? Oh, Ranji, I I 
really, really enjoyed this movie. It's such a layered emotional story following those those black GIs who are obviously retracing, as you said, their steps back in, in Vietnam. Um, notably, though, I found the cinematography to be incredibly engrossing in this film, from everything from the setting to the way that flashbacks were filmed, where they squished the widescreen film down into these sort of old newsreel style yeah. Things. Something that I really found interesting, though, with this was the fact that, you know, with the Irishman having millions of dollars thrown at it for making the actors look young, in these flashback scenes, none of the actors have any CGI on them. They yeah. are simply just as they were. Um, I think this. I think it is done purposely, though. I think it's because. Oh yeah, absolutely. And I think I think it's a really really great way yeah. of doing it. And I think when you look at how much the Irishman, the Irishman, the Irishman cost. <laughs> the, um, the, the one single Irishman. <laughs> um, it does sort of put things into perspective. Um, Spike Lee is a fantastic director. We know, we know that from, well, not just his entire career, but last year when he won the Oscar for co-writing Black Klansman, which yeah. is a movie about a cop that infilt or a black cop that infiltrates the Ku Klux Klan. So his his themes and motives to making films that have black protagonists in them and have many a theme that relate to um, a lot of the poignant things that are happening in the world right now. What with the Black Lives Matter. Uh, things that are going on there, and and a lot of the other stuff um, in terms of racism um, that is explored poignantly within this movie. Um, for a sixty-year-old man, he is still telling relevant stories of the state of America, and mm. it's a, as I said, a very poignant piece, and it's scattered with references to to f- um, facts about black persecution, and it's a topic that needs to be widely spoken about and Spike Lee will never ever shy away from that and I thought it was a fantastic movie. David, what did you think? Yeah, so um I mean I agree with you two guys. I, I hadn't actually um sort of read much about this film. Uh, I did watch a trailer a few weeks ago and I could certainly tell immediately that the cinematography was going to be very, very interesting. Like Craig was saying, I thought that the um, cinematography was was really nice. Uh, I love the use of flashbacks. I love the way they use this different aspect ratio, which really drew you into the film. And then they changed the aspect ratio, which, I don't know, it just kept you sort of on the edge of your feet. Uh, as you say, it's directed by Oscar winner Spike Lee. Uh, he was also a writer on this film. Um, and it gets really good scores on Rotten Tomatoes. It gets a 93% from the critics and a 60% from the audience. And I'm not surprised that the critic score is higher than the audience score, um, because I think critically there's lots to like about this film. Um, I think it's really well paced. It does have a long running time. It's over two and a half hours long. But I find the pace of it very satisfying. That's not to say that I don't think that it could have had a tighter edit. I think in the first half of the film, they could have they could have maybe cut out 25, 30 minutes but what 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 they did keep in, I actually found the pace satisfying. Um, I really enjoyed the character development. The characters were all like onions, you know, how sh- how the donkey on Shrek looks like <laughs> yeah. an onion. He's got lots of layers, and they they really did have lots of layers. Um, I loved the the historical footage. Um, Martin Luther King was in there, and other prominent historical black figures. Um, very pleasing on the eye as well. Um, this film um 
tonally maybe a little bit confusing. Um, a couple of moments I laughed in this film when I don't think I was supposed to laugh. And a few moments I didn't laugh when I think I was supposed to, to laugh. Um, but overall, what I would say, two things really stood out for me. Um, one of them was the soundtrack. Uh, I'd love to hear what you guys thought of the soundtrack. For me, it was a bit of a Marmite score. Um, I feel like it will certainly divide opinion. Um, but one thing that the soundtrack was, was very, very noticeable. Uh, and the other thing that really stood out for me, and particularly as we think about uh, the Oscars, which have now been delayed, but obviously um, we do a series called Road to the Oscars, and we'll probably touch upon this more in that, is Delroy Lindo's performance. As soon as I watch this film, I tend to jump on Twitter, have a look at what people are saying, have a look at hashtag Delroy Lindo. And all of the talk was about him getting a, 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 an acting nomination. Um, and as it stands, he, he is certainly one of the leaders in the clubhouse, I would say, for a nomination. Um, whether he gets that nomination come Oscars Sunday, which is now in April, I'm not 100% sure. But I thought his performance was was really, really outstanding, particularly the one scene where he speaks directly to the camera. Yeah. Um, so I'd love to know what you guys, particularly Herbie, what you think about Delroy Lindo's performance and what all of you thought about that score. But what did, what did you think of the film, Herbie? Well, I don't think I was nearly as hot on it as you guys were, but I'll start with the positives because that's always a nice way to start. Mm. And yeah, like you were saying, Delroy Lindo's performance was brilliant. It was understated at the beginning. I was sort of, I saw a lot of people praising him. I thought, you know, he's, he's, he's there, he's doing a good job, but the whole cast was, but he really stood out as the film went on, I thought. Mm. And that's saying something above. A very impressive, impressively acted film. He stood out so much as being, well, just brilliant, to be honest. It's hard to explain in words just how good he was <laughs> yep. and how much he conveyed in his words, in his actions, in his even in his movement. The way he did everything was so layered, like you were saying. And I, I didn't. He was born in England as well, which I had no clue about. Yeah, he's never British, thought yeah. <laughs> from the way he acts and the way he speaks that he was um, English, which is really impressive. And and like you guys were saying as well, I thought it was a really lovely looking film. In term, just in terms of the aspect ratio switches, which I always enjoy because it's such an obvious way just to change something up. But it's always interesting because how so few people use it. It seems to be such a straightforward way of conveying a shift in time or tone or something like that. But so few films I've seen use it effectively. And it was well done in this because the amount of old school sort of Vietnam clips and stuff like that are in that very boxy sort of, I think it was probably a little bit more boxy than four to three ratio. It was almost like one to one. Yeah, aspect ratio like you get on Instagram, a eh? but um, <laughs> <Cool>. <laughs> no, but it was yeah newsreel sort of sixteen millimeter, um, yeah, um, film footage. Yeah, but I, I I did find that the overall message and tone in the film I I thought was a bit more confused as it went on because the first it, it was very much for me like a lot of people what a lot of people say about um full metal jacket where the first half is a sort of really interesting introspective look at mental health the army how people react to different situations and the latter half is just sort of your generic shoot em up war film mm. and this was quite similar for me in that way which was really disappointing because i thought a lot of what the film was setting up was so interesting about these four soldiers going back to find their fallen brother to find <laughs> his gold for, well as um as Storm and Norman said, for the cause, to help others, to support black causes in America and throughout the world even, I think was the implication that this injustice cannot carry on and, and the money that they found should be taken and given back to the people because it wasn't their money in a way. 
as well. Well, it wasn't their money at all. It wasn't no. their gold at yeah. all. And this, this is, which this is, is, this is where which, I think you're leading to your main point and where how it's confused, isn't it? Go on. Sorry, I've interrupted you now. Yeah, exactly. Because, <laughs> because <laughs> obviously that gold was meant for the. Um, I think it's a, it's a. Um, how many? I've forgotten the name because I wrote it down and I can't remember where I put it. Let me start again. So the gold that they find was meant for the Lahu people for helping to fight the Viet Cong. And the Lahu people are a um, are an ethnic ethnic group of Chinese um, and sort of in, in mainland Southeast Asia, it's not restricted to one nation. And I thought to take that gold and then the way it sort of treats the native Vietnamese, because the whole film is basically the reason why Stormy Norman wants them to give the gold back to the black community is because of how they've been wronged by this war. They were sent off to die by a country that didn't care about them, that had shown in the few years before that they weren't even considered as people, black people in America, not until, yeah. well, even even not until now. It, yeah, it, there's a very strong argument for that. Yeah. But certainly not on a very like basic political level. They just were not seen as people. And then to have that sort of contrast of the way that the Vietnamese were seen in the film, which was a very outdated cliched way of looking at like the i mean it, it you had the sort of basic element of like the orient people who sell people chickens on the river and stuff like that which <laughs> which felt a bit odd because like i was because i was reading a bit about the film to see what the treatment of the vietnamese was like and they were, <clears throat> and someone who um i think they're an american expert to vietnam and someone else who was vietnamese grew up in vietnam and has moved to america so vice versa said just how outdated and and weird and unpleasant that stereotype was because they were saying they that you, you would never get anyone try and sell a whole live chicken to an american tourist so it sort of feeds into that sort of narrative that asian people are very outdated very traditional all this sort of stuff and it, it just felt like a weird contrast to the message that i feel spike lee was trying to put across and i do think he put across that message very successfully about the black experience of America going back to the Vietnam War and before and way after as well. So that, that didn't quite sit right with me. It wasn't enough to ruin the film because that's very much a separate, separate element of the film. The way the, the Vietnam story, like in any film, it, it was a narrative tool as much as anything to show off what Spike Lee wants to do. The same as in black Klansman. Like it wasn't, you didn't, you didn't need the portrayal of anything else to be relevant to be accurate what you wanted was for the story and the characters that you're following to feel authentic and to feel real which i thought this did very well to be fair yeah it, I, I get exactly where you're coming from because i felt like um spike lee was you know putting forward the propaganda broadcasts from hanoi hannah's um, um broadcasts that target in african-american gis and i thought that came across really well because it obviously drew that line between slavery and becoming a soldier and then what divided them from that and the, the unrest that they had going back on back in america at the same time um you know why are they fighting for a country that doesn't treat them as an equal um and then you've got obviously with with, with the vietnam orients being treated equally wrong in the in the way of their being depicted in this film it did feel quite strange i really did feel like the the bits like the, the weird sort of on a mission to find the gold stuff which is where you get most of the, the character building for these guys in modern day was a bit strange contrasted with the message that was being put around there and it was this sort of weird 
if you remember Triple Frontier that was on yeah. Netflix, crossed between like three kings. It was just a bit strange in that sort of way. Um, but And then you got interspersed in between that Martin Luther King footage and other images and paintings that reference like black history. So it was a weird tonal shift, as David said. Like it was weird in that way. Um, but but it still came together for me and I still really enjoyed what I was watching and it still drove home the message that Spike Lee was intending to drive home despite having its shortcomings, I think. Mm. I don't know what yeah, I mean. I think, yeah, sorry. I think oh, yeah, I agree. Does. That was a set. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> One at a time, boys. Sorry. <laughs> Go on, Abby. I was, I was just about to say, to continue my point, um, it was it was very much a separate part of the film. It, it's its own issue, but it doesn't detract from the pot. The, the, it feels really weird to say that it doesn't detract considering it's the same sort of problem that they're one is being traced in a very different way but that was a separate issue that we can treat in its own way we can we can deal with that on itself in how vietnamese people are treated but that doesn't take away then from the story about these black soldiers and about the, the the fight that they face and about the battle that they face and all that sort of stuff it's it's very much they're very much two separate issues and the way that they're treated differently is is once again another issue but they don't detract from each other if that makes sense yeah i can still yeah. appreciate the rest of a story and and see that as an issue yeah i was going to say that i think i think what spike spike he does really well is just show the flaws from all the characters like from everyone on both sides um just like just how just how devastating the effects of this war has been throughout generations like it's still it's still affecting the vietnam people there today when in the present day scenes as well as, as well as the uh, the soldiers going back and um, that's i think that's what i really liked about these characters and how how they were written just how how it how it just how flawed they are um mm. but also david I, um i think i'd agree with you about the score because it would often it would often take me out of certain scenes like certain yeah. scenes that are meant to hit you quite emotionally like it would just you'd hear it straight away and it would just it didn't it didn't always fit what i was watching mm. um but yeah i think yeah definitely i'd agree with you on the score yeah, I, I i would agree with you on that one as well it was a bit strange um but marvin gay like the soundtrack with marvin gay was brilliant and yeah really worked really well and then sometimes the score was a little bit off-putting but nonetheless it was still i think it added but it still occasionally detracted i think um still very powerful in some ways mm. Um, yeah. Yeah, I was just thinking, well, I think we've all agreed that, you know, visually it's impressive and acting wise it's impressive. Um, but tonally it's a bit confused. I wonder if that's because this film has four writers accredited to it. Um, I know Spike Lee was one of them. Um, I'm not sure who the other three were. I haven't got that information in front of me. But you wonder if the old saying, too many cooks spoil the broth, comes in here. And you wonder if, because for me it felt like several different films merged into one um and i wonder mm. if there was a bit too many hands in 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 the soup so to say i maybe not i mean it was originally scripted so the original script was by danny bilson and paul demio um mm. and then you have lee and wilmot kevin wilmot who's a reg regular con um, collaborator with with spike lee coming in to develop the script further and develop the film um 
They, so essentially, the original script was just uh, updated to how Lee wanted it to be. Yeah. So I don't think it was a case of too many writers and too many people being... Because it, they just adapted the original script. Um, perhaps maybe they changed a lot. You can't be for certain, but if you've got the director who's got his vision and then he puts his touch on it, you're going to get that in the final output. Um, I don't think... I don't. I don't know. I don't know to be honest with you, David. I, I, yeah, it, it's it just very much thought. so. Could be a case. Yeah. Um, but hey, I don't know. I mean, that could be one of the reasons why it is the way it is. Um, but I think Spike Lee, when he's got a vision and he's set on to de- the way he delivers it, he will just go for it, and and he does so very much so on this film as he did back with Black Klansman, I think. So yeah, are we yeah. doing? Are we doing whether it's worth it or not? I think we can. Yeah, sure. <laughs> Rand, start with you, mate. Go on. <laughs> so, yeah, definitely. I think it definitely is worth it. It's David said it is two and a half hours, but I, to be honest, I think the pace doesn't really make you feel like it's two and a half hours. Um, but yeah, 100%, it's definitely worth watching. Craig? For me, I think this is totally worth watching. Um, you know, it, it's a film that just sort of progresses in such a strange way we have anti-heroes they're not really heroes in the film they get chased shot at they get blown up um in this strange jungle of vietnam um accompanied by beautiful politics that's just revolutionizing the way that we see um things in the world today and uh, it's an, a poignant film to watch so yeah totally worth it herbie yeah, I'd agree. Um, despite my issues with it, despite what I think are quite glaring flaws, it's still telling such an important story, especially for what's going on at the moment. So, yeah, definitely. I, I think check it out. See if you agree with me. See see if you disagree. And I think it's a really valuable film to watch for sure. Yeah, I would totally agree. Look, I think the critic score on Rotten Tomatoes says everything you need to know. Critically, this has been very well received. Um, it's the first film of the year that's really had any sort of Oscar talk. Um, and I, I do think Delroy Lindo is going to, Delroy Lindo is going to be a contender for, I think he's probably going to be, would be best supporting actor. Um, I'm not quite, quite sure whether he'd be classified as a lead, but um, depending on which category he was nominated in, I think he's got, he's, he's, he's got a very good chance of a nomination. And like people have said, with what's going on in the world at the moment, this is a very poignant and powerful film. And I love the use of um, flashbacks and historical black figures of prominence. Uh, And it's a very, very powerful film. And one that being on Netflix is readily available and one that I would thoroughly recommend checking out. So for me, definitely worth it. Yeah. Now, Ranji and I would like to recommend a couple of films on Netflix. My recommendation is Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom, which may surprise a lot of you given <laughs> the amount of... Di- don't don't give me that. I'm going to convince you why. It's actually a perfectly watchable film. That's not the ringing endorsement I hoped it was. But yeah, I think a lot of people say what makes a good Jurassic Park film and what a Jurassic good Jurassic Park film should be but the problem is we're basing that on the first Jurassic Park film and none of the other ones since because the following Jurassic Park films have been varying levels of okay to really awful 
in my opinion. Like, I think the follow-up to Jurassic Park missed the point entirely. Jurassic Park 3, once again, kind of tried to do it, do what the original one did, but missed the point entirely. And Jurassic World was kind of mixed in trying to be like, consumerism is bad, while also having so much blatant product placement throughout the film (laughs) that you kind of have to laugh at its attempts to more like lecture us on our morals but this one i think doesn't have any of that pretense we're so far removed from the original film and we're so far away as well in the film from all those sort of moral lessons about this and that and doing this and doing that that i thought this film was quite successful in what it's trying to do it's not going to be the sort of film that's going to win any awards as we all know it's not the sort of film which even you might want to watch more than once but i think for a summer blockbuster it does really well i think jb bayona who directed makes some really interesting um visual and directorial choices i think the action is really well directed and the horror elements which we haven't really seen much of since the first jurassic park which we i mean we all know the iconic scenes Mm. like the ones in the um the main one of course being in the kitchen yeah Thank you, Craig. Cheers, <laughs> cheers for the theme tune, Craig. <laughs> In case any of you didn't know the theme tune for Jurassic Park. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I think, like I said, that the action's well-directed and it's quite different and it's quite fun in a lot of ways. And I think you can see what they're trying to do and, what, and you can see how they've been held back as well because you could tell that in production they wanted to go absolutely wild with some of the ideas in it, like some of the stuff that's supposed that you can tell they hint at is absolutely mad. And I'm kind of disappointed. They didn't just go all out and say, you know what, have it, have all the weird stuff, just take it and leave it. But yeah, I I think, you know what, good fun. I think there's some interesting ideas in there that they're certainly going to build on for the next one. I think I'd be incredibly surprised if the wonderful Colin Trevorrow didn't deliver a human dinosaur hybrid in the next film because that's what this has been building up to. And I mean, you know what? Seen... I, it, it, if there this doesn't make you want to watch that. the film, well, exactly. And if, yeah. if this doesn't want to make you watch the film, I don't know what does. It's a wild ride. It's unlike a lot of summer blockbusters, especially because it's got dinosaurs, which I think are quite accurately dis- d- um, displayed in a lot of ways as well. Like they have a Carnotaurus, which everyone wanted, and the scientific like um representation of it is quite interesting with the tiny tiny little vestigial arms it's clear a lot of love went into the film and it's also clear that a lot of um, studio meddling goes into it as well to make it palatable for a, a mainstream audience but i enjoy it and i think you could do a lot worse than jurassic world fallen kingdom <laughs> well. ranji and craig and david let's hear let's hear all of your many counter arguments i mean i mean right. I'm not going to counter-argument this much, that much to Herbie. I think this is the part of the show where you personally recommend a, a one movie. Um, and uh, I haven't watched it since the cinema. And I'm going to go back and watch it because you gave a lovely argument there. Yeah, um, I, I obviously saw it. We reviewed it on the main show. I mean, it doesn't get great Rotten Tomato scores. It gets 48% from the critics and 48% from the audience. I remember really liking this film and really hating it. So there were certain set pieces that I really enjoyed and there were other elements of the plot and the story that really frustrated me. But Herbie's absolutely spot on. 
this is a perfect film for a summer night. It's a perfect summer blockbuster. Um, and it's doing quite pop, doing quite well on Netflix. If you go on Netflix, it's in the, you know, the most popular category. Um, and I liked the, what, what, it's saving grace for the problems it did have is I liked the way they left it. I'm really looking forward to what will be the third in the new series of films. Um, it's, it, it is impossible though to ever be as good as the Steven Spielberg original because that is just an absolute classic with classic scenes. One that springs to mind for me is when the that cup of water on the dashboard in that car is Ooh. vibrating as that T Rex, you know, comes ever ever closer. Yeah, Spielberg is the king of building tension. Yeah. He did it with Jaws. He yeah. does it with yeah, everything. Absolutely, doesn't he? and uh, um, that's what all these subsequent sequels tend to to lack is that building of suspense. Mm. Um, but yeah. But no, yeah, for me, I agree. It's currently on Netflix and I think it's worth a watch. I am, however, very interested to, to hear what Ranjit thinks because I know that he was not a big fan of this film. Uh, that is correct, David. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, so Jurassic Park is my favourite film of all time. Um, and oh. yeah, you're right, Herbie, the sequels have been very up and down. Um, but I... I can't believe you recommended this film because I, I really don't, I really don't like it. Um, there's, there are a few things I do like. I really like the opening scene. I think the opening scene is brilliant. Um, some of the island stuff is good, um, but then it just takes so many twists. Well, there's, there's one major twist in the middle of the film, which from that point on, when I was, uh, I was, I was out. I was like, nope, this, 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 this is just lost it completely. It's just, I don't know what it's trying to be anymore. Um, it just feels like too many genres mashed into one. You're trying to make a horror film in a in an old house, but then like this, this is like some weird, you know, dinosaurs roaming around, and for some <laughs> for some reason the the you you have to point a gun at a person with a laser and you press the trigger, but it doesn't shoot the person. It it, it tells the dinosaur to go towards the person when you can easily just shoot the person oh, yeah, you that, want to shoot. That, that, that so, was so stupid. Like, so stupid. It's ridiculous. Um, I like. I do like the way it ends. I'd agree with David there, but I, I think I remember saying this on the podcast a while ago now. I wish the way it ends is the way this new series started from Jurassic World. Um, I feel like this series has had a bit of the... Uh, sort of like the Star Wars effect of treading on ground that's just way too familiar and not and not um, risking anything. Yep. Um, so, yeah, it should have... The, the whole series should have started the way we're going to lead into the next film. Um, but, yeah, it's just... And you're right, Herbie, it is so far removed from the first film because they literally blow up the island from the first film in this film. <laughs> and you just watch this really sad and tragic brachiosaurus burned to death and it's just like what am i watching oh, this is so that was horrible that, that was well yeah those all those dinosaurs falling off the off the off the island and burning it was it was truly emotional devastating yeah. but, heartbreaking um, yes i mean fair play to you herbie if you enjoyed it if you got something out of it but yeah i, I i've got nothing else to say it's just i, I did not enjoy it <laughs> Cool. Um, so, uh, I'd like to recommend Christopher Nolan's Inception. Um, I don't know what there is really left to say about Inception. Like, it's just, in my opinion, it's a modern classic. Um, uh, you've got Leonardo DiCaprio, Tom Hardy, Joseph Gordon-Levitt, Ellen Page, Michael Caine, Ken Watanabe. I mean, this film is just—it's um, written so well, in my opinion. It's so—it it will keep you. Like, I just remember 
come walking out the cinema back in 2010 and I was just blown away at what I just witnessed. Um, there are so many, so many elements to this film which make it the um, the modern classic. I truly believe it is uh, work. Like you got the exceptional score by Hans Zimmer, um, and just the way it's directed, the, the the overall look of the film. I really liked Caprio in this film. I think he does a brilliant performance as as he always does. Um, it's just. You know, I think a lot of people have seen it, but um, the reason I'm recommending it is because obviously we've got Tenet coming out as well. Um, yes. And it's just been announced that uh, Tenet is being pushed back and Inception will be released in its place for about two weeks, I think. Yeah. Um, oh, wow. So I've also heard some weird rumours online that they could be linked to each other. Inception yeah, I've and heard Tenet. that, yeah. Yeah, so yeah, I think... I heard that from you. Yeah, so <laughs> who knows? I mean... We don't. We we hardly know anything about the plot of Tenet, so it could be, it could be linked in some way. Uh, Michael Caine is in both films. Maybe he's playing the same character in both. Who knows? Um, Christopher Nolan is someone who likes to keep everything really close to yeah. his chest. Um, yeah. we're, we're not going to find out anything until we see the film, which I think is amazing, which is really rare these days. Um, but yeah, so Inception. If you haven't seen it already, watch it. It's absolutely brilliant. I don't know if you guys want to chime in, just say anything about it. I'll just say that um, if you haven't seen it, where have you been? Um, if you haven't got Netflix, while you're listening, if you have got Netflix, <laughs> yeah, watch this movie. It's it's just brilliant. It's it's a fantastic film. It's one of Christopher Nolan's finest films. Um, and as you said, Ranjit, you've literally said everything. You've covered everything. Um, yeah, it's just a great film. Cool, David. Yeah, sorry, I was just waiting for Herbie to come in, but uh, I, I shall take the bull by the horns and come in. Yeah, look, I, I'm sort of walking on ground that's already been walked on. It's just a brilliant film. It's masterful direction, brilliant acting, fantastic twists and turns. Visually, it's a film that people are going to talk about for decades to come. Um, I never got to see... No, I did see this in the cinema. Yeah, I remember seeing this in the cinema and being absolutely blown away by it. Um, the ending, the whole thing is, I love Christopher Nolan. It's a great film. It's like, like, like we've said, it's on Netflix at the moment. It's, if you haven't seen it, watch it. Simple as that. Yeah. I mean, once again, I don't have much more to add, but it's, it's just brilliantly made in pretty much every way. And it's, it's one of the first films I watched when I really started getting into film, not just from like sitting down and watching film, but actually sort of looking at it on a more, Analytical level? On a more analytical level. Yes, thank you, Ranjit. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you very much for listening to Cinema at Home Netflix Episode 1. Please let us know what you think of a new format. Ranjit, how can people get in touch with us? You can get in contact with us via Facebook, Twitter and Instagram or drop us an email at mymailisworthit at isitworthitpodcast.com And if you've enjoyed today's show, why not leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts? Also, if you've enjoyed the content we've been putting out recently and want to help us to continue to grow, why not join us on Patreon? And a big thank you and a big shout out to all of our current Patreon supporters. We really appreciate all of your support. Stay safe and goodbye. Bye, everyone. Cheerio. <laughs> goodbye, darling. Ciao, ti bye. It's been lovely to speak to you.
Daddy's hurt. 